you. We're going to do uh, and start our new message series called Theos. Theos is the Greek word for God. And we want to just talk about God. This whole series came out of a kind of sense of us saying, well, we may not all know what to do, but if we look to him and, and he shapes us, then we'll know what to do. And so we're just going to big up God in this awesome August. We're just going to talk about God and his characteristics and how they work out in your life. So today, we're going to talk about the God of grace, the gracious God. Heavenly Father, would you just use this word just to penetrate every heart that, that you would just bless them and minister to them. You know, Psalm 116, verse Five says this, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Psalm 145 verse 8 says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all and has compassion on all that he's made. Coming over into the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 6 it says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us the one, through the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all understanding. There is no doubt that the Bible says God is full of this thing called grace. And we're going to just investigate really what that means today. God is a gracious God. In, the 19, in 1828 through to 1906, there lived a lady called Josephine Butler. And Josephine Butler is one of the most amazing English women that uh, doesn't get as much mention as she deserves. She tirelessly worked in Victorian England when, when things looked respectable on the outside, but actually underneath, they weren't respectable. And that young girls were being trafficked and pushed into prostitution. Josephine worked tirely, not just to turn the other way and look the other way or condemn, but she tirelessly worked to change their lives. In fact, we have a law on the statute books today of the age of consent being 16 that Josephine piloted and actually fought and won way back then. And what I'm trying to say to you is this is, you see, there'll be some people who will look at a situation and they'll say, oh, that's bad. But people like Josephine say so they'll look at a situation and say, that needs changing. You see, that's what grace does. Grace changes things. I don't know whether you've ever received any grace. I don't know whether you've ever had somebody who's on your side. I want to show you just a little film about the famous footballer Ian Wright. I mean, Arsenal won the FA Cup yesterday, so he's probably in a good mood today. And if you're watching Ian, this was the best film that I've seen for a long time. But it's about how he received grace from somebody. That force, that power that changes things. Let's just have a look at Ian's story right now. I remember him saying that he was more proud of the fact that I played for England than him flying over fucking Paris. Oh, Ian. I love that man. 
I know he loved me. You know, I don't know why he chose me. I'm glad that he did. He was the one who taught me about Jimmy Greaves and making sure when you finish in, when you're going through with the goalkeeper, look for the space, score beautiful goals. But he gave me responsibility. I mean, I used to collect the registers from the teachers. Then they made me milk monitor. I really liked that, and, you know, I looked up... What was that like for the kid who couldn't sit still? Well, it was really good. I, I just felt important. He wouldn't let me play football if he'd heard that I've been naughty in class. He just gave me a sense of feeling like I, I had some use. You know, it was really weird because the viral video that went around... Where yes, people... in 2010, you were reunited with him mm. and that video clip online's been viewed over two million times. You had thought that he had yeah. passed away. You'd been told incorrectly. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't find him. I was doing a television show and there's a bit in it where I had to go back to the ground and just sit in the director's box. And so I was sitting there in a reflective moment and then he just came off my right shoulder. And I'd said to him, oh, my gosh, I thought, I thought you died, I thought you were dead. And he said, well, I'm very much alive, Ian, something like that. And then he said, how proud he is of me. And then I hugged him, and because he was three or four steps up, I felt like I was, like, seven again. I remember him saying, uh, you know, because he was one of the youngest pilots in World War II, and when we won the war, he was one of the pilots chosen to do the flyover of Buckingham Palace, right? So I remember him saying that he was more proud of the fact that I played for England than him flying over Buckingham Palace. Oh, Ian. I love that man. Gosh, man, I'm so sorry to people who are listening. I'm just turning into this bumbling, crying guy. But they'll all be crying with you, Ian, don't worry. When he said that, he, he changed my life just by recognising, I don't know what it was when I was standing outside that classroom, that I needed more, and, and he gave it to me. And, you know, to be able to unveil his plaque at Turnham Junior School was the greatest thing I've ever done in my life, to be honest. It's the greatest man in the world. Isn't that an amazing story? Have you ever had somebody who looked out for you, who showed favour to you, who perhaps singled you out, and you knew that they were on your side? You know, that's what grace is. Grace is that changing presence of God in your life. Grace is not just that one-time act where God saves us. It's not just that, as precious as that is and as amazing as that is, but actually grace is God's active presence in your life to fill you with life and to transform the things that need changing. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full. It's just, it's not that you were saved just to escape a penalty and now you're over the line. God now fills you with his presence and his life so that things can change. Let's be really clear what grace is. Grace 
is that God chose us when there was nothing in us to attract us to him. There, were, there was nothing about us, but he still decided to save us. Ephesians says, in him we have redemption through his blood. But then, as well as that saving, he invites us to be filled with all the life that we can possibly hold from his presence. And he doesn't stop filling us. You see, when, it, when, when God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he, he's choosing individuals. And the thing about God is he knows everything about that individual. He knew that Abraham would lie about his wife. He knew that Isaac would lie about his wife. He knew that Jacob would play favorites with his children. But yet, he still chooses people like you and like me. You see, grace is that thing and that presence that comes into our life where it transforms our faults and changes us. That First Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says, that according to the foreknowledge of God, he still chooses us in grace. He knows everything about us and yet he says, I still want to be with you. I don't know whether you've ever been chosen, whether you might feel that you've been left out by everybody. I want to say something really important to you today. The God of grace, he may know everything about you, as good or as bad as that is. And yet he still says, I want a relationship with you. I want to choose you. And he doesn't just want to say, okay, I pluck you out and now you're in my camp and there he just leaves you alone. He puts you in his family and then he says, come on, let me work on you. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. I'm going to work on you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to fill you with things. That's what I call the grace effect. And, you know, if you're at home, uh, you know, we would do this in church. Turn to your neighbor, turn to your couch or whatever, whoever you're watching with and say, I've, been, I've got the grace effect. The grace effect is that he not only chooses us, but he also transforms us. He not only chooses us, but he also transforms us. Let me hear an amen on the food, on the feed there. Now, everybody, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Titus 2, verse uh, 11 and 12. I want you to read it along with me because I want to ask you the question, when, how does grace work? I'm going to ask you two questions. First one is, how does grace work? And then I'm going to close with, What would it look like if you had more grace in your life? First question, how does grace work? Are you there with me in Titus 2, verse 11 and 12? It says this, For the grace of God has appeared and offers salvation to all people. So God's offering to everybody, no matter who you are today, he's saying, come and be a part of my family. And then he says, it teaches us, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. So grace accepts us, forgives us, he heals us. The God of grace then says, okay, come and be with me, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And so there are two main roles that grace plays in our lives. Number one, grace teaches us. And number two, grace strengthens us so that we can live the life. Let's, let's just talk about grace as a teacher. Just some quick ideas on that. God's active presence 
God's grace. That's what we're, how we're going to define grace. Listen with me. God's active presence to do some change, to, to put some transformation in your life. God's grace, God's active presence is going to keep pointing you to an abundant life. That's one of the ways he teaches. He's always going to put a question in your mind and say, is this the best thing for you? Is this choice that you're about to make, is that the best thing for you? I want to read you a, a slightly lengthy passage in the, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Uh, the grace of God always, though, teaches us by trying to point us to a higher plane. This is what Isaiah says. You can look at it in Isaiah 30, verse 18. It says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he will rise up and show compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all of you who wait on, on him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be to you when you cry for help. As soon as he hears you, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, and we're kind of going through that right now. You, your teachers will not be hidden. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, and everybody who really knows the Bible will say it with me, this is the way, walk in it. You see, grace is a teacher that always says, hey, are you sure the way that you're going is going to give you more life? Right now, as I'm speaking, there'll be one or two people who will be in the, in the midst of making a decision. And one of the things that you need to ask yourself is, is this the grace way? Is this going to bring more life? And you know, the Holy Spirit will start speaking to you about that. So the first way that grace teaches us is he keeps pointing us to the abundant life. The second way that he teaches us and that grace teaches us is that it points us to what's on God's heart. Jesus said in Matthew 6 uh, verse 33, he said, Seek first the kingdom and all the other things that you might be worried about will be added to you. What grace does is get you to choose the right priorities. That active presence of God says, hey, you've been focusing on this, but I want to turn your attention to something more important. That's how grace teaches us. So today, I wonder as I'm just speaking whether some priorities that you might have been focusing on that you could begin to say, you know what, I'm not sure that's as important as, as I've been making it. The third way that grace teaches us is it teaches us what boundaries are helpful to give us life and what boundaries are helpful that, that stop us crossing over a line whereby uh, we won't have life. You know, it teaches us, as the Bible says, to say no to some things, to uh, worldly passions or some ungodly uh, desires. It, what grace says is, is it keeps pointing you towards life and you say, oh, I think we need to draw a line here because uh, across that line there's not life. Uh, some of you may know that in, in my, uh, well, a few years back now, I was trained as a primary school teacher versus, uh, from verses, years 7 to 13, and uh, with the kids there. And one of the interesting studies that was done, and you might have heard me say this before, that um, when I was doing 
my research about children. Uh, it, there was a particular school where they had a playground and they had a fence around it and the pit, kids played freely and they were running around screaming as they do. And then somebody as an experiment took the fence away. And as they watched the children to play, they saw that their play was inhibited because they didn't know where the boundary was. Their freedom was inhibited because they didn't know where the limit was. And so they saw that the children after a week were beginning to huddle in the middle of the playground and they kind of play a few games but they didn't know where the boundary was and that's exactly what God is trying to do with us. He's trying to draw a line so that we can be completely free and live a life that's completely full on because we know where the boundary is and we know if we cross the boundary where life ceases to be helpful or even enriching for us. Nicky Gumbel tells uh, his famous story during the Alpha course that he had to referee a football match and he didn't really know the rules and because the referee didn't turn up and the football match was going terribly but it was only when the referee, the proper referee showed up, marked out the pitch properly, started giving clear decisions that the game really took off and was enjoyable for everyone. I just sensed this morning as I was thinking about this message that somebody was wrestling against a boundary that God has put on your life. But actually, that line is there for your freedom so that you can live well. And that's what grace does. You see, lastly, the teaching part of grace is that it challenges, as the Bible says, our worldly passions. You know, you can't follow your emotions, but if you don't pay attention to your feelings, they will lead you somewhere anyway. You have to almost take an emotional monitor in your life and say, why am I feeling this way? In fact, Hebrews 12 verse 15 says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and, and some bitter root grows up to defile everyone. You have to monitor What's going on in your emotions? Why are you feeling the way you're feeling? Take those feelings to God. There's a reason why you're feeling what you're feeling. And grace will transform them and change them. If you say, God, I'm just being honest with you. This is how I'm feeling. And God's grace will come. Show you the root and begin to change why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Grace teaches us in four ways. It points us to abundant life. It keeps saying, is this the best life for you? Grace points us to the right priorities and says, put God first. Grace draws boundaries and says, hey, don't cross that line because life is not there. And grace will always challenge those feelings, but not only challenge them, but transform them. Let me briefly share with you how grace strengthens our lives. Uh, Book of Psalms, verse, uh, chapter 55, verse 22 says this, Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will ne- the righteous will never be shaken. Grace strengthens us when we stop looking to other sources for our strength. In the book of Hebrews, the, the writer there said, don't be carried away with, with all this food uh, ceremonies and everything. Don't substitute grace for some sort of religious practice. God's active presence, that's what grace is, to change you, wants you just to rely on him. I know some of you are on the end of your tether. 
You, you might have you know, had a holiday to Spain booked and you've had to cancel it. Stop looking to other sources to strengthen you. But right now, maybe you can even do it at home. Just open your hands with me and say, God, I, I need your strength. And God's going to come. He's going to strengthen you because that's what he wants to do. You see, we're not talking about some theory religion. We're talking about God who comes as a gracious God who wants to be with you and he wants to fill you with his presence. Don't do retail therapy. You know, you know, we all like a little bit of shopping. Oh, I've had so many Amazon parcels during this lockdown. We, we all have done that. But, you know, don't substitute that for God's strength. You know, some of us, and I just want to say this out loud. You know, some of us are self-medicating. And, and perhaps, you know, that quiet drink at night just to make you feel better. You've got to stop that and start going towards God. And saying, God, instead of that, instead of the comfort eating, instead of the self-medicating, you've got to say, God, would you fill me? I need strength from you. And, and begin to release those things and say, God, help me with this. Let it go. Grace strengthens us when the expectation is that we should uh, act in a certain way. God suddenly comes in and gives us the strength to act in, a, in the right way. Jesus said, sometimes you've got to turn the other cheek. It's grace. Romans 5 verse 2 says, we've got access to the Father and now we are in grace by which we stand. The grace strengthens us to say, I don't have to do what everybody expects. I'm going to do what God asks. And receive that straight away. Your family, some of your colleagues, some of your people are, are saying, oh, yeah, that's how she's going to act. That's how he's going to act. Why don't you just pause and say, God, how do you want me to act? Again, come on, open your hands and receive the strength to act what God wants you to do. When I say open your hands, I really mean open your heart. Grace strengthens us when we have a balanced view of our sufferings. You know, the whole country's complaining right now. Everybody's complaining and saying, you know, why is this happening to us? Why is this happening to our world? 1 Peter 5 verse 10 says this, And the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, he himself will restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. It's those people who complain continually about their sufferings that their sufferings don't help them. But it's those people who say, God, we're in this. Give me strength to go through it. It's those people that God's grace comes and strengthens them. So one more time, everybody, wherever you're watching from, maybe you could just open your hands, open your heart, and say, God, I need your strength right now. And he will come. You know, the currency of grace is humility. The way that we get more grace is that we humble ourselves. In fact, doesn't the Bible say, clothe yourself with humility towards one another. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, if you want more grace in your life, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up at the right time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. You know, I'm trying to show you 
a part of the nature of God today. That God is this gracious God who wants to fill us. He wants to minister deeply into our lives. But we could make a mistake today. We could mistake and have the danger that God's grace is like the icing on a cake. It's just the nice bit of, of God or it's the thing that's not vital. But I want to say to you today... Receiving grace from God is an absolutely vital component of your spiritual health and your relational health. There are definite results when you begin to say, God, teach me. Fill me with your active presence. Change me. There are definite results when you allow more of a grace of God in your life. So I've come to my second question. What would your life look like if you said, I want more of God's grace in my life? He couldn't have done anything more on the cross. And in a few moments, we're going to celebrate that death on the cross. He couldn't have done anything more. But right now, can he do something more for you by you opening up just a little bit more to the grace, the active presence of God that wants to come and change you. The active presence of God that wants to come and transform you. You see, the first result of that grace will be that you'll have abundant life. More life that you can handle. You'll get off the treadmill and get onto the treasure trail of God. Some of you... We've got to get out of the rat race and get into God's race. Get off the treadmill and come on the treasure trail. You see, as you ask for more grace, your life becomes changed. It changes and you, you get real purpose, real life. Your, your emotions begin to change. A second result of just opening up to God is, is you begin to prefer others before you. Instead of having this striving pressure always to be first, the pressure goes out of your relationships because you feel full and you're at peace with giving other people their space. When you receive more grace, you'll receive strength to walk this narrow path of the Christian journey. Christian life isn't easy. And we need strength to do it. We're not just living a life whereby, uh, you know, we, we're just in a comfortable position all the time. The Christian life is not always easy, and we need strength to do it. You see, the results of grace will simply be that God will point you to an abundant life. Your life will have purpose. God will, will begin to fill your relational life so that so that you, you, you're okay with some people taking the limelight and you're just comfortable in yourself. But also, God will strengthen you for this Christian journey. You remember the book of Hebrews says things have changed now. The Jews would look for this law and that law. And God says, I'm going to write the law on your heart so that you will know what to do. That's the strength, what God does. And he brings this grace to you. So I come back to this statement. Humility is the currency that buys you grace. If you will say, God, I give you your place, 
you will receive grace. Can you remember that phrase? God, I give you your place. You will receive more grace. So right wherever you are, wherever you're watching right now, maybe you could just say, God, I I just want to give you more place in my life. What emotions would you need to challenge? What feelings do you need to give to God? I wonder the gracious art of letting someone be first this week. I wonder what lesson you would learn if you gave somebody the first place. I wonder how God would speak to you. I wonder how if you laid down your rights for somebody else, what would happen, what lessons you would learn. You would find grace changing you. You know... Jesus, I wonder if you've got your juice and your bread ready. And we're going to sing just in a moment, but on the same night that he was betrayed, Jesus graciously took bread and he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Grace. G R. A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. This is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. Let's take the bread together, wherever you are. What a grace-filled thing God did. And in the same way, he took the cup. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. It's my new agreement. And it's for forgiveness. If you're sitting at home and you need forgiveness, you need to forgive somebody, this is the time right now, today, 11.34, Sunday morning, 2nd of August, receive God's forgiveness for you and release God's forgiveness to someone else. Let's take this wine together. And we just take this non-alcoholic juice just to let us know as a symbol that God's blood Jesus' blood still has power today. So may the God of grace be with you today. And may you give place to the God of grace and you will heal your own heart by allowing him more space. Heavenly Father, We thank you that you are the God of grace. I wonder right now if you have ever really accepted Jesus into your life. I wonder if you could say, well, I want to come to Jesus. I want my sins to be forgiven. I have boundaries that I've crossed that I need to come back into. Just pray this prayer with me simply now. Heavenly Father, forgive me. I am sorry for the things that I have allowed and I have done. Forgive me. And in Jesus' name now, I follow you. 
I ask you to lead me and I give you the place to lead me. So here's the prayer. Forgive me, I follow you. If you just say that with me, forgive me, I follow you. Right now, God's grace will come into your heart and into your life and he'll begin to change you. If you pray that prayer, please, we'll put the uh, email up on the screen right now. Admin at bcc.life. If you pray that prayer, please contact us and we will contact you back and help you. Everybody else. Who, who might be watching, come on, just one more time. Father, I give you more space for grace. I give you more space for grace. Come and change me, come and heal me, come and fill me, come and point me in the right direction. Be my teacher and be my strengthener. And Lord, we just commit this time to you and we bless you in Jesus' name.